Is this the worst podcast anyone has ever listened to? Am I the worst guest on any podcast? It's unlike any Lemonade episode, I must say. But I love that. I think it's the most beautiful timing for it being Christmas week. So I'm enjoying it. I feel as though, like, your podcasts have always been like, let's talk about, like, how much challenge you've had in your life. Mm. And I'm just like, yeah, I've had challenges, but like you kind of just deal with it. Well, I think this is why this is a good one is because you've had, it's not like there's been this one event. It's yeah. more just been like sprinkled throughout. You know, yeah. you started your life literally in a refugee camp. No, yeah. no one I've ever interviewed can say that. I never take that seriously. Like that whole mm. like, oh, life's been tough. Mm. I, because like I've gone through it. Yeah. So how tough could it have been really? But at the same time, I look back and I'm like, oh, yeah, I was gay. Mm. <laughs> I was bullied. I was in an immigration camp and my dad died. Yeah. I'm like, all these things that, like, are quite big things in life. But I felt as though I've come out the other side more knowing who I am. Life gives you two choices when it throws everything at you. You can let it swallow you whole or you take those lemons. And as the old saying goes, you turn it into sweet, delicious lemonade. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Welcome to Lemonade. I'm your host, Elizabeth O'Neill, and I'll be sharing the incredible stories from inspiring people who've turned the hardest times in their life, their lemons, into lemonade. Because let's be real, we all want to know how they did it, the lessons they learnt, and what life is like sipping limoncello on the other side. Let's get juicing. You probably know Kana Ong as one of MasterChef's most beloved contestants across the entire series. I've known Khan for a little over a decade. And in that time, I've watched him flourish from a fresh-faced 19-year-old to now an incredible cook, television personality, author, restaurant owner, and a staunch advocate for the LGBTQI plus community. But life hasn't always been easy, despite what his glittering Instagram aesthetic and infectious smile will have you believe. Born in a refugee camp in Indonesia, encountering racism and bullying when settling in Australia, realising he was gay and coming out to the world, the untimely death of his father to liver cancer and his subsequent mental breakdown. Khan's story is a testament to the fact that life can throw you many, many lemons, but it's what you do with them that ultimately shape who you are as a person. This is honestly one of my favourite Lemonade episodes, partly because it's unlike any I've ever done. And if you're an avid listener, you'll know exactly what I mean as soon as it begins. It's free-flowing and hilarious, but also gets really deep and profound in parts. Just like my friendship with Khan, really. This is part two of my chat with Khan. If you haven't listened to part one yet, do that first. So this one makes a whole lot more sense. We're picking up where we left off about his passion for food and cooking. And a content warning if you've got little ears around. Here's Khan. Food has always been, as you've said, you know, you would help your mum in the kitchen. It's always been such a massive part of your life. But as you said, there's been so many different incarnations of Kanong as well before that. There was DJ Khan, yep. fashion designer Khan. Yep. There was, I feel like there's more and I'm missing it. Um, before that, so I definitely, I wanted to be a surgeon. That's right. I moved into <laughs> fashion design. Um, while I was do, studying fashion design, I was... A promoter at nightclubs that became a DJ. And then during the beginning of my DJ career, I was a stylist because um, right. I worked for Elaine, one of our friends, for a little while. And then DJing got bigger. So I stopped there. Who taught you to DJ? 
I don't really know. She was really bad, though. <laughs> Do you know? It was me. <laughs> <laughs> it actually was. Yeah, it actually was Elizabeth. <laughs> Elizabeth taught me how to DJ. Like, literally, like, 10 years ago, yeah. 11 years ago. Um, and then she quit. The picture came up on my memories the other day. I meant to, I should have shown you. <laughs> I just kept it to myself. No, just don't worry about it. <laughs> like, my face would look like so different. No, thank you. Not interested in that. Yeah. I'll just keep my memory, that memory to myself. Exactly. Then. Yeah, because you were like looking so good as well. Like, oh, I don't know what happened. <laughs> no, shut up. But like, I'm like, I remember I'm like, your hair used to be perfect all the time. I'm like, why is this person? She's just nodding along me like, yes, it was. <laughs> And then you have children and then it just all just goes out the window. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, you, you taught me how to DJ and then that became like huge. Like uh, that was probably like big part of my life for at least like seven, eight years. And something that was a career, like you, that was your career. It was yeah. just getting bigger and bigger. Like yeah. you walked away from it while it was... Like pumping. Like yes. I literally was, like when I left MasterChef the first time, I was making a lot less money mm. than I was as a mm. DJ. Like I was a full-time DJ. I I could survive off playing one gig a week, honestly. Like the, it got to the point where the money was amazing. Mm. But I was doing like three, four gigs a week. I was playing internationally. I did music festivals. I did the whole thing. And I decided that I didn't like it <laughs> anymore. Mm. Um, but it wasn't until MasterChef that I real once I got accepted, that I really realised being like, this could be a complete career change I've been looking for a career change this mm. is it mm. like this is where, how it goes mm. um, and that's why I'm so thankful that for the show because mm. ugh, it changed my fucking life totally and I do want to talk about that when you decided to apply for MasterChef what was going through your mind um nothing because Sarah Holloway and Nick Davison kind of got me to reply because mm. I look the thing about MasterChef is you look you watch TV shows like that and you're like mm, you're never going to become one of those contestants because there'll be thousands of people who audition that are better than you um, and I auditioned and I screwed up and I was like yep first day screw up not going to get it through and they were like can't through only person of the day and I'm like that's weird. Um, I spoke to the producers who dealt with it after um, the post-show and they said, well, we, we, they, you were put through because you knew exactly what you did wrong. Yeah. So okay. you could tell us what went wrong, how to fix it and what you would have done differently. And a lot of people who don't cook well don't know why they don't cook well. Yeah. Um, so we took a risk and then I got through and I was laughing because I was like, oh, I'm on the top 24 of MasterChef. No, I'm a DJ. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, hilarious. Um, then kind of made it through the first couple of weeks. And I remember what the head producer literally coming up to me being like, we're not seeing the person that you were in auditions. Like, why are you not cooking the same? And I'm like, what? Like, mm. I didn't know what was happening. Um, and they're like, you need to do something because the judges haven't noticed you. Mm. And what's worse than not being at the bottom is not being unnoticed in the show because it means that you are then disposable at any point Yep. because they don't remember you. So if you're not memorable, why keep you around? Um, so once that happened, I, I got told that in the morning of a challenge, I ended up winning that challenge. <laughs> the next day I won the immunity pin because <laughs> I was like, I don't want to go. And now you've just given me a warning. Mm, totally. <laughs> yeah. Rise or get out. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't It wasn't like, it's not like a do something no. so for TV. It was kind no, of like. No, because MasterChef's not like no, that. It's like, just like pick up your game. Yeah. Like you're on, you're on now, cook better. Yeah. And so I like, it made me think totally differently. Like, I think the first dish I made in the actual kitchen was like chicken and like, 
I don't know, like a cauliflower mash and like some grilled veggies. I was like, what the hell was that? Like, that is like so pedestrian. Um, <laughs> nothing wrong with pedestrian though. Like, I'm about to do heaps of food prep that's going to be very pedestrian. Um, but yes, uh, yeah, MasterChef w- didn't think that I was going to get through even the first part and then it ended up making it to third. And I was mm. just like, what the hell just happened here? Yeah. Like, I, every challenge that I got through, I was just kind of like, whoa. How did that happen? And obviously that was incredible because then I got my restaurant, the George and Collins, out of it. Um, I hosted a TV show in my market kitchen for 90 episodes out of it. 90? I, 90. I did 90 episodes. It was daytime, but this, I was like on every day. True. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it's like, yeah, it's like three months of like, well, it's ended up being four months, but yeah, um, of daytime TV. Then um, obviously all the other jobs that I was lucky enough to do, but then getting asked to do MasterChef again as an All-Stars so was like... And a book. Oh, yeah. No, the book came during All-Stars. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, like timeline, babe, timeline. Mm, sorry. Um, <laughs> Working up to that. Well, okay, so I, I, I wrote a book and then was told that I was going on MasterChef and then I was like, oh, cool. So the one-year lead time I had to writing this book became three months. Mm. So I, I pumped out this book in three months, but I'm, I'm in love with it. I, I'm so proud of it. Mm. Um, and then, But, yeah, being called back onto MasterChef was like a dream because I, it was all these people that I looked up to when I was watching the show like I was on the show with like Poe and like Mm. Hayden Quinn and Callum and like Reynold who is just like so nice (laughs) I'm just like all these people that I'm like was so nervous about and like day two I went in I was like you guys are dicks like me like you guys are just (laughs) like it's no different no different like it's so funny that like watching people on TV you feel as though they're like on this random platform and they're so much better and I'm like we're all the same. Yeah, totally. Like, we're literally all the same. And I've met so many people who are, like, super famous that are just the same. They're just, like, it's just a job. Yeah. 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 When you, you love, obviously, you love food and cooking so much. How does it make you feel when you, I know, not only eat food but prepare it for friends and, you know, what is it about it that you love? I think that it's this... Oh, this is so dumb. Um, it's the idea of making people happy. Mm. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a people pleaser. Like, deep down, I'm a people pleaser. And food makes people happy. Mm. So I like cooking for them because it makes them happy. Mm. So it's kind of selfish. <laughs> <laughs> it's for my own benefit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely for my own benefit. But, yeah, no, f- like, I love food because it has that ability to make people really happy. Mm. And I don't know, there's this moment where you, like, when you eat together that, like, it's just fun. It's just love. Mm. It's like we've done it for so long now. Like we used to have dinner parties when we were like 18. Yeah. Like you come over and like it was simple. It was like some charcoal, like some maybe taco night, like really simple stuff. That's kind of evolved a little bit now. Like I'm cooking better. Like Yeah, you cooked like, what was it? You cooked dessert. You were practicing de- um, desserts for me, MasterChef desserts, and you came over with like salted caramel mousse tart or something and it was ah. freaking incredible you're like i'm not gonna eat this there you go bye and i'm like <laughs> okay great <laughs> i'm gonna put on weight <laughs> yeah yeah i think i mean you, you kind of just get better because you you're, you're you're constantly growing i feel as though i'm still growing like i'm learning new techniques i'm learning like new flavor combinations and i'm learning to experiment more mm. like my new favorite thing is beef tongue Oh, yeah. It's, and yeah, you're like, oh, I don't know about this. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oxang is heaven. Oh. Grilled anchovy butter, like some finger lime or some kind of citrus on top. 
heaven. Oh my gosh, my face looking at him right now. I, like, <laughs> I know. Oh, she's like, no. <laughs> well, Korean barbecue, very common. Yeah. Yeah, Oxtang, very common. Mm. So I was just like, I'm going to try this. And then I was like, oh my God, this is so good. And then I did one in an XO sauce that was just, oh my God. I'm going to go see mum tonight because I want ox tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call her and literally be like, I really want ox tongue. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> so half the people listening will agree and the other half will be squeamish like me, I imagine. Now, you, you did say that, you know, your career, we have touched on, just skyrocketed so quickly yeah. in the aftermath of MasterChef. How did you stay grounded and try not get to get caught up in it all or too stressed out by it all? I literally had friends like you and Tara who were like, if you become a dick, we're going to punch you. <laughs> and it was just kind of like... I, I think Aiden, Aiden our best that. friend's fiancé, said that too. Yeah, he's like, if you become a dick now, I'm going to punch you. <laughs> and I was like, what? And I was like... And no, but I feel... I actually feel as though I went the opposite direction where I became less dicky because I was like... <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, everyone's going to expect me to be a dick now. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like... Um, uh, grounded. I don't know. I just work. Like I literally really enjoy working. And like, like don't get me wrong. I I love attention, but it's really weird now that like I don't like random attention. Yeah. Like Diana um was making fun of me the other week. Um, no, my probably two months ago now, where we were at the market and someone was like, "Are you coming from MasterChef?" And I froze. <laughs> like I just didn't know what to do. And she was like. How are you not good at this yet? It's yeah. been like three years, like as if this happens. Like, I'm like, I used to be good at this, but now I don't know what to do. And I'm like, yeah, hi. <laughs> and then I get really like, what do we say at this mm. point? Um, it's getting harder. Mm. Like, I just, like, I just, I don't know. Um, but yeah, the grounded thing, I don't really think I'm very grounded. I've always been quite arrogant. <laughs> my, At least you're honest. In my entire <laughs> life. I'm just like, yeah, but I, 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 I don't really blow people off. I just kind of like, I'm a little bit blase about life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like it's, it's been the same. It's been exactly the same. I mm. think it's a, people bagging you is probably the best thing for you. All my friends bag me. <laughs> kind of. We're kind of scared to bag him as well. <laughs> so, like, kind of. Um, I've always been mind with... No, you can't stop it there because people are just going to think that, like... Now you're scary. Okay. The reason we're scared is because Carney is a Scorpio. And if anyone listening... I really, Yeah, I really should have fleshed this out, actually. You, Scorpios will always get you back ten times worse. So, if you do something to them, they'll get you back ten times worse. It's like a renowned Scorpio trait um, because they're literally a scorpion. It's a scorpion sting. So, we know that when we like gently gently rib Khan or like try and tease him or bag him like he's gonna get you back 10 times worse so then we're like I'm really sorry I'm sorry <laughs> no it's, I, 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 there's no time to be doing that these days <laughs> I'm working too hard I don't have time to get you guys back <laughs> there's no time <laughs> Is this the worst podcast anyone has ever listened to? Am I the worst guest on any podcast? It's unlike any Lemonade episode, I must say. But I love that. I think it's the most beautiful timing for it being Christmas week. So I'm enjoying it. And I hope you're all enjoying it as well. I feel as though, like, your podcasts have always been like, let's talk about, like, how much challenge you've had in your life. Mm. And I'm just like, yeah, I've had challenges. But, like, you kind of just deal with it. Well, I think this is why this is a good one is because you've had... It's not like there's been this one event. It's yeah. more just been like sprinkled throughout. You know, yeah. you started your life literally in a refugee camp. No, yeah. no one I've ever interviewed can say that. Yeah. But then you, there's been the challenges all throughout yeah. that you've been able to learn from and overcome. And isn't that the whole point? You know, yeah. lemons no, and lemonade. Yeah, you know? definitely. It's that's definitely lemons lemonade. And I feel as though I never take that seriously. Like that whole mm. like, oh, life's been tough. Mm. I, because like I've gone through it. Yeah. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, I've gone through it. So how tough could it have been, really? But at the same time, I look back, I'm like, oh, yeah, mm. I was gay. Mm. <laughs> I was bullied. I was in an immigration camp and my dad died. Yeah. I'm like, all these things that, like, are quite big things in life. But I felt as though I've come out the other side more kind of oh, knowing who I am. Yeah, yeah, it gives you more depth of character, I think, yeah. things like adversity does. And that when I think even to, to, about myself, I wouldn't change anything because it adds to your mm. character and who you are, you know? Yeah, and also this is a random one that's kind of a sidetrack to what we've been talking about. But everything we've spoken about seems like a highlight reel. Can I just say that even when I started as a stylist, I felt as though I was a fraud. Mm -hmm. I felt like I wasn't good enough to be doing that. Um, when I was a DJ, I fought for years and years to be taken seriously. And then it got to the point where I was taken seriously and I didn't care about it anymore. <laughs> but it was literally like for the first five years of me DJing, I didn't want to not be taken seriously. Like mm. that was like the whole thing. It was like I was a gay guy playing in straight clubs and everyone was just like token. Like but, a novelty almost. Yeah, it was a novelty mm. and I didn't want to be that. So I fought for that. And still in food right now, it's the same thing where I'm constantly fighting to be taken seriously. Even though my tone of voice is not serious, what I like to do is, and the, what my career is, is serious. Mm. Like, you can't just take the fact that I'm like a happy, jolly person as me being not serious about Or blasé life. about life. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it's not, it's... I care. Mm. Like, you know I care because, like, there are moments where I'll call you and be like, I am so annoyed by this because blah, 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 yeah. blah. Yeah. You're the hardest working person I know. And I think that's what it, – it, that just radiates throughout this conversation because, as you said, you know, you are taking – you know, you're mucking around and having a joke and largely because that's me as yeah, well that you're chatting to. But, you know, all these things are big, serious things and you wouldn't be where you are today had you not had that work ethic that, you know, you've traced back is from watching your parents work seven days a week. Yeah, seven days a week. And there was like – like, okay, this is how much Dad worked. And it is, like, probably, I'm going to just say it, it was the dumbest decision he's ever made. Dad found out that he had liver cancer and did not tell us because he was setting up a business and wanted to make sure that we were set up. He told us two and a half years later when it was too late, but the business was amazing because mm -hmm. he was still working that hard for two and a half years while fighting cancer that we didn't know about. Wow. Did you, he, your mum knew? No. Oh, my God. No one knew. We knew literally two and a half years after when it was, like, stage four. What do you remember about that time? Um, it went really fast. It was, like, literally we got the diagnosis. We went through everything. Nothing could be done. Mum went to alternative medicine. Dad didn't want to do it. Mum wanted to go to Vietnam and release snakes. I don't know which doctor said release 100 snakes. Anyway, so Dad was like, that's ridiculous. I'm not dying in Vietnam. Um, so, uh, they fought about it for ages and, um, on the day the dad, the night the dad died in that morning, the witch doctor called and said, get ready for a funeral. And I remember mum being like, we're going to Vietnam tonight, like tomorrow morning actually. And dad died that night. And I, I swear that like, when you're almost that close, you can literally let go. And I felt like he's like, I'm not going to Vietnam. I've never wanted to go. I don't want to die in Vietnam. I don't want to get buried there. I'm going. Like, I literally think. But, and it was really weird because I was so numb to it. It was like, I was on the couch. Dad's dead. I'm calling, I'm calling the ambulance. Oh and gosh. I'm just like, so blasé. Like, nothing. No, like, felt nothing. Went to school the next day. Like, life was so normal. And then broke down two years later. Like, 
complete mental breakdown two years later, hated my mum, left the country, ran away for six months. Do you feel like it's because almost, I don't know, maybe you had to almost step up into that manly, masculine role in your family, maybe? I don't know. I think it's like dad was always very, very serious. And I felt as though when he passed away, I was like, yeah, you're, you, I think you're right. Like, I, I needed to step up and I was serious. And for those two years, I was serious. Mm. I did the schooling thing. I did it all. Year 12, as soon as I was out, I was like, I hate this. I'm leaving. And you felt it all. Yeah, I felt literally everything. I rolled out of my mum's car. Like, that's like that was the beginning of it. I, my mum was having a conversation about some guy. Um, and I was like, Dad, I, like two years ago. And mum was like, oh, like, oh, no, it's nothing. It's blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't want to listen to this. I don't want to hear about it. And she just kept going. So I literally opened the door of the car. It was, like, rolling to a stop. And I rolled out. Oh, my God. I was all scratched up, walked home. It was, like, 8Ks. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. Anyway, then, like, resented her for so long, left the country, ran away from her, and then came back and was like, I was so sorry. Like, and I am now. I'm like, that was the dumbest probably year of my life. Mm. Like, and I like because I felt as though like it hurt mum because even to this day she was like she was hiding her boyfriends from me for so many years because she didn't know how I would react to them to the point of like two years ago when I was literally like introduce me to your boyfriend or I will stop speaking to you because you keep sneaking around around me and I know that you have a boyfriend and she's just like mm, okay <laughs> yeah I was just like um, yeah so that was that was a difficult little period. What was so difficult, you know, obviously, aside from the obvious, but what was so difficult, I guess, that came back to you two years later? Like, what was it? Was there any moment or any tipping point? I, look, I think it's because schooling was done yeah. and that I could have a mental breakdown because my schooling was done, that everything was together and I didn't have to hold myself together anymore because I held myself together. Like, I literally acted like nothing had happened. Which is really weird. Like, I'm looking back and I'm like, if my child did that, I'll be like, you need to see a psychologist. Mm. Like, this is really strange. Yeah. It's just a coping mechanism, I think. And grief as well. Grief does crazy things to us. So do you still feel waves of grief? Like, does it, what does that look like for you now? Um, Not so much. Um, I, you know how we always think we're psychic? (laughs) Like, shh, don't tell everyone. <laughs> like, uh, we, we, like, the friendship group comes, like, the, the entire friendship group's thing. So we're psychic. We're all manifestors. I'm a manifester. Oh, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a manifester. Um, but I feel as though that's actually dad somewhere. Um, and I always feel like he's there. Him and grandma. Those are the two spirits mm. I always feel are somewhere. Mm. Um, so I it actually, I don't feel any grief because I feel as though he's there the whole entire time. And, like, yeah, and that, like, he's supportive as well. Mm. Do you think he'd be proud of everything you're doing? No, I hate it. No, joking. (laughs) 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 Didn't expect that answer. (laughs) Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mum's super proud, like, to the point where there's, like, fucking photos of me plastered all over the walls of her shops, and I'm like, your dad probably would have been the same. Mm. Um, Yeah, it's so different. It's really... I think mum's relationship with dad really fucked with me <laughs> from a dating point of view because, like, he passed away and she basically was like, that was the love of my life. Like, she's like, yeah, I date now, but it, it would never be serious. It would never be anything and because that was the love of my life. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> like, I need to find that person for me. And I'm like, if I can't find that person, then no one else is ever going to be good enough because I've seen how good it is. Yeah. 
Um, were they just so in love? They were so in love and like even post it. Like she was like seeing people, but she was just like, that was my husband. Yeah. Like I would never get remarried. I'm nothing's gonna ever gonna become serious. Like that's it. And I'm just like, and like even though I like she, she speaks about him now, I'm just like, like for two years straight she put a bow out for dad to have dinner with us, and I'm like he's not here. And she's like, so she would like put rice in his bowl, put half in her bowl, so she would finish hers and then eat his bowl. And I'm like, one psychotic, but two beautiful. Yes, yeah, like so sweet. I'm like, one, it's really crazy, but secondly, it's really lovely. So I'm just like, it's kind of half half. I'm like, I feel like the takeaway from this is like, never settle. Like there is someone yeah. so for you, not necessarily a perfect person because no one is, but there yeah. is someone. Yeah, dad, like. Literally, dad was shit at communicating. He was like, he wasn't the perfect person, but it was perfect for her. Mm, mm. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it anyway. gives me hope. Yeah, I'm like, guys literally just text me at like 12 p.m. Being like, I mean, sorry, 12 midnight. Being yeah, like, I was like, 12 p.m. No, they don't. <laughs> they text me at midnight, being like, you up? <laughs> okay, you probably text that, not yeah, That's because I'm leaving work. Like, that's different. Like, <laughs> It's not 12 a.m. for me. I've always admired with you how, and this is just palpable throughout this chat, is you're the kind of person that follows your heart and follows your dreams to the nth degree and you don't stop until you've got what you want, what you want. Like that tenacious, that tenacity is so infectious as well. And there are so many people who are too afraid to live like that. They're too afraid to follow their dreams and follow their heart. Mm. What advice do you have for people that, you know, feel scared to embrace who they really are or go for what they really want your main motivation in life is always going to be yourself and it's like just think about that for a second and it sounds very selfish but it's not you have children you want to do well as a parent why not just because you want your kids to grow up well you want to know that you've done a good job so your motivation is always going to be yourself so take that on and make that your motivation Mm. and you will always be happy Mm. you will always be happy and like that's literally what i do i'm like my motivation is me and i don't care that it sounds selfish it makes me happy and therefore it will make the people around me happy yeah absolutely 100 percent. if you're not owning who you are and happy with who you are everyone else around suffers and mum that's such a common thing with being a mum that you think you have to sacrifice and lose yourself for your kids your kids don't want that no no not at all and I'm like uh, it's it's really important like uh, I get it that you're looking after a little human but you still need to come first Mm. like you still need to come first and like once you're settled you would be such a better mother for it oh totally that's exactly what I do um you are so, you know, we say, we made a little joke before about you're the master, we're manifestors, and I was like, well, you are, because you're known for being just this master manifester. It's insane. Anything Khan says he wants or wants to achieve, he you'll, he'll come to you like weeks, months, it would be a little while after and be like, got it, look at it. Like it's exactly what he's wanted and asked for. But I feel like that's because you're so in alignment. What does alignment mean for you? I don't really know what alignment means to me because I feel like I'm like the opposite of in alignment. Oh, um, I think you're in alignment. No, I, I like, like I. You think that, but then I'm like, I have no work life kind of balance right now, <laughs> where it's like work is life, mm. um, and my life is revolve, revolve, revolved around working. But at the same time, I'm really happy with it. Um, um, with the manifestation thing, I think it's not being a manifester. I think it's literally that I set my goals. 
and I work for them. Mm. Like, I think that we make jokes about being a manifester, but half the time it's because you can work for those goals. You go, you go after it. I think so many people think manifesting is writing it in a diary and then just... Leaving it. Yeah, leaving no, it. No, it's, it's... So I came up with a... So last... Yesterday or the day before, I had a dream about a product that doesn't currently exist that is the smallest change to life. It's the smallest product that... Already, no, it actually does exist, but in this form it doesn't. Mm. And I literally was like, we need to make this happen. Called my graphic designer, who I would like to be my business partner. And I was like, hey, I have this idea, thoughts. And he's like, love it. Okay, where do we go? I'm like, I've already caught manufacturing. We have samples coming. And he's like, what? <laughs> and I was like, well, we need to jump on this. Like, it's amazing. But it's just like, you had that idea, just do it. Just yeah. go for it because, like, okay, so cool. So this whole process has cost me, what, $500 mm-hmm. to get, like, the manufacturer to send me things so that I can know if it's going to work. All up, it might cost me. Look, I, I know that not everyone just has money to deal with, but if I wanted to do this and not take a massive risk, it would cost me $5,000. Mm-hmm. This, nec- this next thing that I'm about to do would cost me $5,000. We're putting a little bit more in because we want it at a bigger scale. But I feel as though, like, little things like that. What's the worst that at that point that could happen? You lose $5,000. Mm-hmm. What have you learned how to do business better? Mm-hmm. It's just like, whatever you want to do, don't, don't just don't keep it as an idea. Like, I do this all the time. I do this a lot where I think of something and it become, it's an idea and then I might not act on it and then mm-hmm. someone else will come out with it and mm-hmm. I'll get really annoyed by it. And you've missed the, missed the boat. Yeah, I've missed the boat. And I, was like, mm-hmm. I thought about that a year ago. Why didn't I just try it? Yeah. So literally, so now my new thing is I have an idea. I either call my manager or I call someone who I know can make ha- make it happen and we start trying to make it happen. Mm. And if it falls away or fizzles away, then it fizzles away. But at least I've given that part a go. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, really important. Side side note on the manager thing. Um, the first kind of conversation I had with my manager, because I have to send Elizabeth photos for the cover thing. Mm. When I sent my manager photos of me for my press kit, I sent her a nude. <laughs> Not of myself, of someone else. I sent her porn, basically, <laughs> accidentally. And she literally turned around and was like, hey, the files aren't coming through at the quality I want. Can you send them again without the porn? And I was like, what? And I looked through and there was literally like, dick. <laughs> big schlong like just there yep I've never done an episode like this it's <laughs> <laughs> safe to say <laughs> like this is very like this is exactly our conversations when we catch up and have dinner so that's not unusual it's just usually these are not about dick pics <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know what the two things could happen here People will either stop listening to you or you'll get new listeners. I think it's wonderful. I love it. And I think people are going to get a lot of joy out of it and laugh a lot. It's just I'm just laughing about how different it is from every other one I've done. And this is so not surprising. Well, I, I, look, I'm, I'm, I don't really hide that much. No, no I really don't. I really don't hide that much. Like, I literally post my Google search bar every week. Yeah. I'm surprised how, saying, how like, um, PG, like, they are. Yeah, because I don't really, I don't care about news. I don't care about guys and things like that. I care about like, do penguins change sex? Do penguins shed? So Khan like will screenshot, yeah, his Google searches. And they're always, there's some of them are really interesting points though. I like them. Um, wait, I did, sorry, we're going to cut this so that it's faster. So you're yeah, hang on, hang on. Okay. Why does the sun make you tired? <laughs> what does Charles mean on TikTok? <laughs> One th- 100,000 rock wall elevator. I like just 
Kira Knightley. Because <laughs> I wanted to see what movie she was in. It makes sense. It <laughs> yeah. just looks funny all together. Anaconda. <laughs> I was researching uh, camping gear. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's stick <laughs> let's with that. Let's, let's stick with on. that. Moving on. Um, you've had, as you said, there's been a lot of, you know, we've, you said before, we're looking at the highlights reel. Yeah. But there have been setbacks. Yeah. How have you dealt with that? And why is it important to take the learnings from setbacks? So everyone, when you get setbacks, I think people get really nervous because they feel like they might be embarrassed by it. I just don't really feel embarrassed anymore. Like, I just like that. So that's my main thing that it's just like giving it a go is more important than actually kind of not giving it a go and then like not, not knowing anything. It's like, it just makes no sense that like wanting to do something and not doing it because you're scared of failure. Like mm. that makes no sense to me anymore. It used to, it used to make a total sense to me because I'm like, no, it's going to be embarrassing. People are going to laugh at me, but it's like, who cares? Like mm. who remembers that stuff? Like, do you remember like anyone failing at any business they've ever done? Not we really. think people care about us so much more than they do. Oh my God. I say this to my friends mm. all the time. They message me and they're like, okay, so I invited, I invite people to do like events with me and they're like, what do I wear? I'm like, well, this is a dress code. And they'll be like, what about this or this? I'm like, Hey, just so you know, you are literally going to be the only person that cares about what you wear. Mm. Like no one else will give a shit what you wear. No one else gives a shit what I, I wear. Mm. Like people think that no one cares. No one cares. Yeah. No, no. And I mean cares. that with all the love in the world. Like it was a realization I had, like, I think people care about what I'm doing and saying in a, I'm not saying in a, in an arrogant way, in yeah. a insecure way, yeah. but they don't. They people don't. are only worried about themselves. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, as soon as you know that like what you're feeling is exactly how everyone else is feeling, it's all going to be fine. Also, cat massager is over there. I noticed that. <laughs> the cat massage. He's literally got a cat massager over there. That sounds really weird. It's not a real cat. It's like a it's like a plastic. He was the KK present at your house. Yeah. Did you win that or did you just take no, I, it? I took Georgia Love won that and I stole it from her. <laughs> oh, I hope it comes in, in good use. Um, <laughs> back to the podcast. Um, why do you think it's important to embrace like our adversities, the lemons that life throws at us and use that as motivation to launch to a life that maybe we never would have imagined and I'm sure you wouldn't have imagined you're doing what you're doing right now 10 years ago either like mm. but that's all from these um, lemons yeah definitely whatever you get served is a way for you to grow so whatever you have to deal with in your life is a great lesson for you um I've learned my fair share of lessons I feel um I've still got a lot more to learn from but at the same time it's crafted who I am right now and I think take those on like don't hide things away failures important like what have I failed at recently try to open a place in Sorrento didn't work mm. didn't go through really upset about it for about a week and then was like all right next and is anyone yeah has anyone been like oh what a failure no, like, like that's so embarrassing like two no. of my literally two of my friends texted me going like are you opening in Sorrento and I went no, it fell through, and they're like, "Oh, that's sad." That's sad. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Okay, cool." Yeah, <laughs> like move on. We think, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's just I, I, this whole fear of failure thing is a massive thing. Like, mm. I think it affects so many people, mm. and they never, no one's like, people kind of speak about it, but they don't because mm. I'm like, it is a, such a massive part of my life and adversity, like all the hardships. Take them on, just do it. Like, what have I lost money on recently? Ah. I haven't launched one product um, because the product that I launched before for the charity label, mm. um, the hoodies, didn't sell as fast. 
So I haven't broken even on the hoodies yet mm. and I'm giving money away <laughs> to charity while I'm not breaking even. Mm. So I'm like, holy shit, this is fucked. Mm. But at the same time, I'm like, whatever. Like, it's for charity. It will it, happen. I'm going to learn that not to launch hoodies during summer. It's <laughs> <laughs> the learning. It's <laughs> the, learn- the major learning of your whole life, not to launch hoodies in summer. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was just like, oh, it's, it's like the, the, the market's worldwide. No one's going to care. Nope. Yep, everyone cares. No, everyone you cares. wait till winter, people will definitely buy those. What does the – this feels like – I don't even know if you can answer this. What does the future look like for you? What does the next five, ten years look like? I want a farm. I okay. want I want ducks. I want chickens. I want rabbits. I want bees. Um, I want to be down probably around the Red Hill, Main Ridge area so they have access to the beach. I want to live alone. Um, I want a beautiful kitchen. I want a dog. And I want to – no, that's it. Oh, travel. Yeah, that's a massive one. I love that. I was like, this might be really difficult for you to answer. What does the future? I want ducks. I want. <laughs> I was like, usually this is the point of an interview where people are like, oh, gosh, like, oh, maybe, you know, I'd like to be happy. I'd like to do this. And you're like, ducks and chickens and rabbits. And- <laughs> yeah. And like a farm. I just want yeah. a little, like, I want a little farm. I just Sounds beautiful. Just like have, I, I don't need to be in the city anymore. I feel as though, like, where I am right now, I can be anywhere in Australia and still do what I do. Obviously, like, Victoria's ideal, so I can go to the George. <laughs> like, no, I live in Queensland, fly down for the every weekend. That's stupid. No. Nope. Uh, nope. No, yeah, but I, I, I want to live kind of more country. I want to live a slower kind of lifestyle. I think might not happen, might might end up being the opposite of what I want, but I've been spending a little bit of time down that way, yeah. and I kind of really enjoy it. I... um. I don't know. I enjoy the space. Mm. I enjoy the space. I enjoy that, like, I'm close enough for friends to come, but I'm also far enough for my excuse to be like, oh, I'm in Main Ridge tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for guys that you don't want to come over. <laughs> no, not just guys. <laughs> I'm like, no, I think the future looks like to me is like, I would, oh, if it's 10 years, I definitely have a child. Like, mm-hmm. 100% there's a child there. Um, my sister offered to be a surrogate. Oh. But that means I need to find a partner that would, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's there's a lot more steps before that part. <laughs> but yeah, ten years. Even if I'm single, I would definitely have a child. I would adopt, um, because not more children need to be brought into the world. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what that looks like. Mm. Career wise, I would like to have another ten five years, two books, ten years, five books. Um, so don't laugh at me. These are the things that I want. I know. And I'm telling you, let's all just check the back this space in 10 years time in December 2030 and you'll have all of it. Uh, restaurant-wise, I don't mind. I really like having the George. I don't mind if I have another space. Um, I would like one, but if I do have another space, then I would like it to be in possibly a tropical country, Mm. um, like a beach club, more so than a restaurant, Mm. Um, a beach club. I would like, I would like to be traveling as a job as well. I want to be, I want to write more. I really enjoy writing. And if I can for like forge the whole food and travel thing together, that would be complete. Yeah. Yeah. And for my final question... Um, and I ask all my guests this same question. What You've had some huge pivotal moments in your life that we've discussed. What advice would the Khan in front of me tell the Khan in his darkest, most difficult times? You're gross. 
No. <laughs> I don't really wanted to end on something so stupid. <laughs> I really wanted it to be so dumb. Um, so, kind of the past or kind of the future? Sorry. So, what Khan, Khan right here, right now, yeah. what would he tell past Khan going through a dark, difficult patch? Mm. I, I would not tell myself anything. Honestly, I would not tell myself anything because I feel as though it's been really important for me to deal with everything because I've come out the other side. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like it was, uh, I went through something so hard that I knew that it was going to really affect me. Mm-hmm. Everything that I went through has made me stronger mm-hmm. and more confident of a person. So I wouldn't want to ruin that for myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I like, like, there's nothing, like literally nothing. I wouldn't be like, don't do this one day because you're going to get bullied get fucking bullied like deal with it go through it and that's it learn grow <laughs> yeah learn and grow I love that thank you so much for your time <laughs> no, thank you for having me that went for like a million hours sorry that this isn't a really long podcast <laughs> Merry Christmas Happy Christmas Happy Holiday Season New oh Year Mariah Carey singer yes. get on it <laughs> maybe I should share our Mariah Carey All I Want for Christmas video at the same time oh, she's not we're not doing that good night Merry Christmas <laughs> good night thank you everyone thanks Khan thanks Elizabeth thanks Thank you so much for listening to part two of my chat with the brilliant Khan Ong. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. I'll pop the links to his Instagram in the show notes. As always, you can follow me at Elizabeth Anil. Please show Lemonade some love by hitting subscribe, five stars and leaving a positive review. Sharing it on your social media and tagging me also really helps. I'll be back with one more episode for 2020. Woohoo! A bumper juice episode with Monique Barry that will drop on Monday. In the meantime, have a very safe Christmas. It's a very tough holiday season for so many of us right now. So if this one isn't quite what you had in mind, I'm thinking of you and sending love. See you on Monday. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.